good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, February 21st at 1 o'clock p.m., and we are here at the War Memorial Opera House for the San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview, which precedes the matinee performance of Swan Lake. My name is Andy Yanoni, and I'm the Director of Education Training here at the Ballet, overseeing the administrative functions of the school and our education and outreach programs. On behalf of Artistic Director Helgi Thomason, I welcome all of you today, as well as our online listeners. As you may know, we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra this season, Music Made Visible. Not every ballet company has its own dedicated orchestra. We're very fortunate to have such an accomplished ensemble under the direction of Martin West, who is the music director and principal conductor. Today, we're celebrating the music and the orchestra. And if you haven't heard, the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra is featured in Laura Cartman's composition, Ask Your Mama, named winner of the Best Engineered Album and Best Producer of the Year at the recent Grammy Awards. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So congratulations to our orchestra. So our guest today is German violinist Cordula Merckx, who joined the orchestra in the role of concertmaster last December for the run of Nutcracker performances. Cordula was born in Germany and grew up in Holland. And she began playing the violin at the age of six. First, I'd like to say, Welcome to San Francisco. Thank you so much. How did you choose to play the violin at such a young age? Um, I started playing when I was five or just six. And um, in my family, it was very normal that yeah, everybody plays an instrument uh, as a hobby, that is. And I really wanted to play the cello very, very much. I really loved the cello. But at the music school uh, in the city I grew up, they didn't have cellos small enough for me back then. I started violin on one-eighth size. And uh, I really loved my teacher very much, but I told her every lesson, you know, I practiced, but I really want to play the cello, <laughs> not the violin. But uh, yeah, now I'm really happy I play the violin. So. It seems to have worked <laughs> out okay. Yes. Where did you study? So um, I started in, in Tilburg in Holland when I was a child. And then at the age of 12, I um, uh, got to take lessons at the pre-college department of the Royal Conservatory in The Hague in Holland. Um, they have a really nice uh, department for, for children. And then um, when I was about 16, I heard a performance of the Vermeer String Quartet in the Netherlands, and I just fell in love with their first violinist, Shmuel Ashkenazi. And so after the concert, I went to him and I said, look, I really, really want to study with you, and where do you teach? And he happened to teach at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, so that's where I went for a few years. <laughs> and I really loved studying with him, and afterwards I continued my studies in Amsterdam and Lübeck, Germany also. Tell us about some of the other playing you've been uh, doing over the past number of years and um, in, symphonic, uh, in the symphonic realm. 
Um, I was a member of three different German orchestras um, pretty closely after each other. I was concertmaster first of the Burgische Symphonica and then in Bochum and most recently in Germany was in Essen, which was a uh, house that's opera, ballet, and also symphony. So I have a little bit of ballet experience from that. And then most recently, I had been the assistant concertmaster of the Seattle Symphony. Ah, so Seattle and now here. What do you like about San Francisco? Um, I, I actually like this city very much. Um, I had been here a couple times as a tourist already, and I actually really love this company. Even when I was here as a tourist, I had seen a performance of the San Francisco Ballet, and I really thought, okay, this is definitely a world-class ballet company. Uh, and I, you know, this was many years before this concertmaster job was advertised, so it had nothing to do with me wanting a job here, but I always had in the back of my mind that I liked this very much. So. Do you remember what that program was that you saw? Um, yes, I do, and uh, well, partially at least, I remember it was the Stravinsky Violin Concerto, um, mm. and I guess my predecessor was performing the solo part, and on the other part of the program there was, I think, Bernstein, maybe symphonic dances or something, but of course, especially the Stravinsky, I remember and I enjoy it very much. So what is the role of the concertmaster in the ballet orchestra or in general? If you can just explain to our audience what the concertmaster does and what that role represents. Mm -hmm. um, maybe more in general, actually, it's easier. It's a very diverse uh, role, I think. Um, a lot of it is behind the scene work, like before we even start the rehearsals, for example, I have to prepare the bowings for the violins and maybe also for the other strings sometimes. And that's basically the way uh, we string players use our bow has a lot to do with how the phrase will sound and how it goes, whether we play long or short or louder or softer or more legato. So that's actually quite a lot of work to prepare that. And um, well, so I make the bowings and the other uh, principals do it for their string sections and then the librarian needs to get that in all the parts so that's a lot of the preparation and then in the orchestra um, yeah I'm of course part of the first violin section and I'm principal first violinist and I'm responsible to for playing all the solos that show up so that's very exciting for me and um, the main job I think in the orchestra is that I try to convey the conductors, so in this case Martin West's musical ideas to the orchestra. So when he conducts, I try to show um, what, what he shows to translate that more immediately to the playing. Great, thanks. Um, can you tell the audience a little bit about the audition process, how it begins, um, and what you had to do to win the audition? Um, Yes, uh, so uh, it usually starts with an advertisement uh, that, uh, I, I don't know. In it's in, in the U.S., it's in the International Musician, which is the uh, union's paper that... Yes, and out. then you send in your resume, and then um, they'll hold auditions, and those usually go over several rounds, and the first couple rounds are behind the screen, so the orchestra that's listening actually has no idea who is playing, and then... So after the final round, I think they invited a couple of candidates to come try out with the orchestra, so to actually play in the orchestra. 
And I understand that sometimes behind the screen, they even go to the length of putting a carpet down so they can't tell from the steps of coming out to play whether it's a man or woman. Yes. Is that true? I don't know actually if it was here, but I definitely also have heard from, from female colleagues. They say, you know, you should really wear gym shoes so they don't know that you're a woman when you walk. <laughs> but I don't think there's a prejudice here uh, for either one. So it's maybe in other cities it's more <laughs> necessary. <laughs> um, so um, now in your role as concertmaster, what, what is the favorite thing that you get to do as far as uh, playing and so forth? As far as playing, well, I, so I really enjoy the, the double role. I love being part of a first violin section. To me, the first violins are just the stars of the orchestra. I'm completely biased, of course, but I think we get so many beautiful melodies and when one violin plays alone, it's already a very expressive instrument, but when you play a melody with 10 or 12 or 14 violins, it's so much bigger and nicer. So that part I like. And I also really like playing the solos and especially, for example, today, a piece like Swan Lake is just, just a dream to play. It's really, really very nice, uh, writing for the violin. Is this the first time that you've played the Swan Lake score? Um, partially, yes, but I have done Swan Lake before. It's like a dif little different version I did before. So I have played it. Hmm? So the rep season, uh, which started several weeks ago, programs one and two, and now we're going to be soaring through till the early uh, parts of May. We, we have so many wonderful pieces of music associated with the ballets um, that the company's performing. Do you want to talk about any work in particular? Well, I, I'm interested in the entire season. I, a lot of it is very new to me, so I'm just very excited. Um, what we did so far, I really enjoyed playing program two. I loved playing the Stavinsky uh, Capriccio with the solo piano and had the little solo violin part also. I loved playing the Adams, uh, Fearful Symmetries. Uh, it's just really exciting for the orchestra. It's such a um, force of nature piece almost. You know, we start and we really have to count and really play. So I think it's really cool. So right now, I really love Swan Lake. That's for me personally just a highlight because the music is so special. I've played a lot of Tchaikovsky symphonies many, many times in the violin concerto, but I think Ballet is, for me, it's Tchaikovsky at his best. I, I really love the ballets. And then looking ahead, I really look forward to playing um, Swimmer. And I think that's program five. And uh, the orchestra actually just recorded um, the music for CD also last week. Ah. I, I think for CD. Anyway, we recorded it. And um, so the music was written by our colleague in the orchestra, Shinji Ishima. So I think that's very special also. And I heard that the ballet is gorgeous. I think it was premiered last year, I believe. Yes, it did. So I can't wait to play that and see that. So did you record up at Skywalker? Yes, we did. Was that your first time? Yes, it was my first time. Very, very beautiful, very exciting. Yeah. So Skywalker Ranch is, of course, in uh, northern Marin County, and you know the whole history of the Skywalker brand. But um, So what, what's, um, what's it like in a recording session versus playing in the pit? Is there a difference? In yeah, it's, it's, it's completely different. It's... I mean, in a way, the, the nicest way to play is live for an audience because 
I think the audience gives us so much energy also, and we want to, you know, we want to show our love for the music. And, and in a recording session, it's, it's harder to do that because there's no audience there, and then there's a producer there who says, stop, stop, this was not together, and this was not good, and this was not good, and I need this bar again, and then uh, violins were a little bit sharp, and so it's more like a technical <laughs> way of doing it. But I think it's very... Um, good for orchestras, of course, to record also, because we learn to listen and, um, yeah, play well that way. So speaking of the pit, um, when you play, of course, in a symphony orchestra, you're on stage and the music is the focus. How do you feel about the pit and the role of the music with all of that action on the stage? First of all, I love being uh, playing in the pit. I think it's very nice, like the kind of uh, community we have down there. It's very, very nice. Um, as for playing ballet, I'm, I'm learning every day. I think it's very, very interesting for me. Um, for example, talking about Swan Lake, I was able to um, see a piano rehearsal they did, and I, I didn't know before that actually seeing the dancers could shape so much of how I actually hear the music now. For example, the two solos, White Swan and Black Swan, actually in my mind changed after I saw the dance quite a bit. Really? Um, can, you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? M maybe. So they're very famous solos for violin, and I think most violinists have at least practiced those solos. Um, and I always thought, oh, they're both very gorgeous and very expressive, and Basically, that was the end of me thinking about it. And after I saw it danced, I, I think, first of all, I see a bigger contrast between the two. I think the white swan is, um, uh, for me, much more tender and sweet and, in a way, vulnerable than I had imagined before. And so when I play that, I almost feel like I'm just playing it for the, for the couple on stage. It's very, almost like a very private um, piece, to me anyways. And then the black swan is much more, um, well, uh, maybe shameless than I thought. You know, it's really, <laughs> it's, it's very, very bold and very extreme. So that's definitely for everybody to see and... Um, so for me, in a way, I'm trying to play that maybe a little bit more extreme than before in terms of colors. I don't know, but yeah. So do you feel like, you were just mentioning the, the white swan solo. So do you feel like your solo playing is with the dancers? So it's actually almost like a trio for violin and two dancers? Is that how you're envisioning what you're playing? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, ideally, I think that's true. Um, I, I think ideally the music should inspire the dancers, of course, not the other way around, because the music was first, but at the same time um, it's definitely our job to accommodate them so they can be as comfortable as possible with their choreography, because of course we want them to be great and feel comfortable and be as beautiful as they can. So would you say that those two solos are the most inspiring moments for you in, in Swan Lake, or are there others? For me, uh, personally, of course they are, because it's a great challenge for me to play them, but when I think of the piece as a whole, even how, how the piece starts, the principal oboe starts the piece, and you know, when I 
whatever, when I get up in the morning and then I have to go to work, it's like, oh, get ready. And then sometimes it's hard to find the mood to start, to start the performance. But the moment she starts playing, it's very easy for me to be really there in the music because of how it starts. So that's a very special moment for me. Um, there are also some nice sounds of glockenspiel and piccolo playing together, in, I think, in, in the polaka or so. It's very special sounds in there, and it's just overall a very moving work. I love all the waltzes also. They're great. So um, the audience is, of course, uh, very familiar with Nutcracker, and that was written many years after Swan Lake. What are the kind of musical comparisons? I mean, is there anything that comes to mind that you think, oh my gosh, this is in Nutcracker, but I'm hearing it kind of now first in Swan Lake. Do you think there was inspiration there? Probably, I'm maybe a little bit unprepared for this question, but I mean, they're both so obviously Tchaikovsky in their own way. And, Yes, the, for sure, there are similarities. The language is just so typical and clear. And lush. Yes, very, very lush and very nice to play for the orchestra. I mean, I'm saying that after having played maybe 30 Nutcrackers now, many of my colleagues played a thousand, so I don't know. <laughs> Great, and, and what about your life here in San Francisco? What do you do when you're not in the pit? <laughs> And writing uh, Boeings and... Uh... I practice. <laughs> so how much do you practice? That, that depends, depends on the day. Of course, I, I um, practice. I mean, part of it is staying in shape by playing scales and stuff. Part of it is preparing what we do here. And part of it is also practicing for... I like playing chamber music also and occasionally solo and stuff like that. Um, back to your question, what I enjoy doing here. I really enjoy exploring this beautiful city and area whenever I have time with my husband and our young daughter. So Nice. So you, you are really assimilating into life in San Francisco. I think so. I'm getting to know the city a little bit. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Um, let's see. I think we have a little bit of time for a few questions. All right. I have to, I'm sorry, I have to put my glasses back on. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. I'm going to repeat that question. Thank you. So, with the musicians being in the pit, and relying on the conductor to convey the action, is there ever a desire to be closer to the action so that you can perhaps um, react more directly? Is that fair? Yeah. Um, uh, first of all, I think I might have the best place in the pit. I'm sitting right against this wall, so the moment I turn left, I see quite a bit of the dancers. But you're absolutely right. I'm sure some of us would love to see more. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, it's not just in ballet, also in symphony or opera. Uh, we always have to rely on the conductor anyway. I think there can only be one 
person who decides how the phrasing goes, how the tempo goes. It, it can't be 50 people all, oh, I think today she's more expressive, let's go ahead, you know? So, so, <laughs> um, so in a way, I think it's very good that, that we focus on the conductor rather than on <laughs> the ballerinas. <laughs> good, thank you. Another question? Are you looking at your music or are you looking at the conductor when you're playing? I would say both, both, yes. And the more I know a piece, the more I have time to look at the conductor. And actually not just at the conductor, I also really enjoy some eye contact across the pit to the other principal strings, principal oboe, ideally also timpani, just to make the ensemble better. So it's kind of look up, look down a little bit. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Ah, can you tell us about your violin? Uh, yes, I can. It's, um, I've owned it for three or four years right now. It's a late 18th century northern Italian violin. It's, yeah. the, the name is not known. That's why I was able to afford it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about your bow? Uh, my bow, I play a couple different bows. I'm, I'm also always looking for, for other bows there. All of them are French. So what is, um, what is the effect that a particular bow has on the sound? I mean, we think of the sound coming from the violin, but the bow's an, a player in that. It's very, uh, very interesting, actually. It's, uh, but both violin and bow are very personal. So what works for me might not work for my stand partner or for the other person. It's really, um, maybe because they're made out of wood, they're so alive. So it really depends on the combination of person and instrument, I think. But um, yeah, a different bow can definitely also make a difference on the same instrument. It can sound a little bit stronger or a little thinner or a little fuller, darker, many. Subtle differences, I think. Great. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So the question is, and I think it's especially because you're in the pit, um, musicians face challenges physically with um, playing for so many hours, and how do you uh, cope with that? And um, are there um, other musicians in the orchestra who also have coping mechanisms? Uh, it's definitely a, a big issue for us. Personally, I've been very fortunate so far. I feel very um, good, at least uh, you know, in terms of my shoulders and arms and everything, I haven't been injured. But definitely a lot of people are struggling with tendonitis or, and yeah, many people do try to do yoga or sports or Feldenkrais or different um, exercises, physical therapy to, to try to stay fit because it's really almost like being an athlete but with very limited part of our bodies. And our shows are sometimes long also, you know, like Swan Lake is non-stop playing for all those hours. Um, yeah, we, we all have to yeah, hope and pray or that we <laughs> stay healthy. It's, it's not that easy, actually. Any other questions? Yes, sir.
So the question is about gender equality in orchestras. Um, is there a difference between some European orchestras and American orchestras? And uh, what do you think? about all of that. Yes, sir, in your question you mentioned uh, Vienna Philharmonic, they're notorious for being very male-dominated orchestra, <laughs> but even they are, I think, changing, and I think they're, um, they have to, even by law. Um, overall, I think it's, it's changing very quickly. I think still orchestras are like a little bit more male than female in general. I think only the St. Louis Symphony in the United States has a majority female musicians. Um, but when you look at the conservatories and music schools, I think it's really changing all the time. Um, first violin section here is mostly female. <laughs> um, yeah, but personally, at least that I know of, I, I never had a problem, but, um, but it's definitely, it's still there, like probably in many other professions as well, but it's definitely changing. Thank you. Um, one more question. Do you have challenges working with an original score rather than uh, a, a standard? Yeah, it's, def it's, it's different to, to work with a new work because you can't go on YouTube and check out how the piece is supposed to sound. But, <laughs> but in, in a way, I really like it very much because then you're really uh, forced to go with the text, with the score, and um, read it very well because sometimes when a piece is famous, you know, you can go by what you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better or right. So, difference in approach. Great, well thank you. I know you have a lot to play this afternoon, so I'd like to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. And we look forward to listening to the wonderful orchestra and of course your beautiful solos. Um, if you would like to hear more of the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra, of course, please come to other performances. And the orchestra is playing a special anniversary concert on Friday, March 25th at 8 o'clock p.m. at Herbst Theater. Um, I think tickets go on, on sale to the public next week, and you can find it on the, on the website. We'd love to have uh, all of you attend. And lastly, for more information about San Francisco Ballet performances and educational programs, please visit our website, sanfranciscoballet.org. Thank you all. Thank you for our online listeners. And thank you, Cordula. Thank you.